The opinions expressed on this podcast are not meant to be disseminated as medical advice. If you need additional clarification or have questions, consult a mental health professional in your area. Hello, and welcome to 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, the podcast where a comedy writer, that's me, and a psychologist, that's Steve. Hello. <laughs> I, podcast... I had to wedge that in. I gave you plenty of space. It's the podcast where we try to solve I your... I had to bleep you here at the start. The podcast where we try to solve your long-running relationship issues in 10 minutes or less. How are you doing today, Steve? Uh, reaching a state of despair. Why do you, you you fight so hard on this opening and you don't have to just let it flow, but... That's I okay. tried last week. You didn't leave me any room. You, I just sat mute while you just kept right on talking. And that's really the ideal situation for any <laughs> podcast. Well, luckily, you won't sit mute today because we have a humdinger of a question because it's coming from me, Steve. Humdinger? Ooh, all right. <laughs> oh, Steve, I've got one for you today. What are the three chores that are most likely to end your marriage? Every relationship has those battleground issues of domestic bliss where you, everybody goes back and forth. And you've seen you've seen more than your fair share of confrontations of minor minor anthills that get blown up into mountains. So what are the what are the three chores of the biggest battlegrounds? Take it away. Ah, uh, it's interesting. You want little. I'm going to go a little bigger Ooh. than you. It's a bit, well. Your question is not a bad one, actually. Which is what are the the problem with the little ones, like the loading the dishwasher or folding laundry or something or vacuuming? Like the problem with those is those little ones usually are just tips of bigger icebergs that lie beneath. They they're what is sort of safer to argue about, and they become a portal that enters the couple into things that they don't want to talk about, but now conveniently are out on the table. But when it comes to just sort of maintenance in a relationship, the things the things that I think are much more foundational when it comes, I suppose these are kind of chore-ish, but it's sort of, uh, it's just maintenance issues. It's a little bit like changing the oil in your car and that if you don't do it, the whole engine block is going to seize up and your minivan is going to be on the side of the freeway. So the three chores as I see them, or uh, just three things that people fight about that are real. One is uh, disciplining children. Like uh, parents are usually pretty good when times are good. Like when everything is functioning and everyone is behaving and all the manners are in place and they're doing what they're supposed to do, it's fine. But when parents are put under stress by their kids and uh, kids will put stress on a relationship because they are wired to drive parents insane. That uh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> dis discipline styles are never discussed ahead of time. And it, it, so they make kind of an interesting dynamic because it's sort of a learn on the spot for both partners in a relationship because you don't really talk about how do you discipline kids when you're dating. You're not even thinking about kids. And then when the woman gets pregnant, or I guess they're both pregnant because we is the thing now. But when you're pregnant, you don't talk about discipline a whole lot. And when your kids are born, they don't really do anything wrong. They're just kind of an eating, pooping blob. And so when the first couple of crises hit, that's when a couple's put to the test. So disciplining kids is one. Um, another one is and this again is a little bit cliche finance but it's spending transparency so husbands wives the partners they get little um like these little pockets of control and it's never i'm gonna spend 8900 bucks on a used car without you knowing it's more i'm squirreling away this and that and uh, one of the partners finds out and feels betrayed and then they have a thing and it, money becomes like um 
it's almost like glue. And uh, if you're squirreling money away, the other partner all of a sudden feels like, what, are you, are you planning on leaving me? Like, what's going on? And so just spending transparency. And couples really need to come up with a threshold. So anything above this threshold we talk about before we spend and anything below the threshold, I don't care anyway. And usually the couple's financial status determines where that bar is, but it, it money becomes another controlling point. And it's interesting how we learn in youth, how we learn to balance power in a relationship. Money is one. The third chore and the <clears throat> other point of control is sexual schedule. That uh, one partner, invariably, just because it's two human beings, one partner will be on a little bit faster of a metronome than the other, whichever way that goes. And so the one that's on the slower metronome ends up having control because they can now, they control the throttle and the brake on this part of the relationship. And that can lead to some resentment by the partner. So kids and discipline, spending, financial transparency, and sexual schedules become the three battlegrounds that aren't smoke screens for other battlegrounds, if you know what I'm saying. I like how you lumped uh, the sex in there with chores. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's <laughs> talked with a few married couples before. I've, oh, yeah. I found it interesting that you said that uh, nobody ever talks about uh, discipline beforehand. I guess that's really true. I mean, you don't, nobody ever thinks about the worst case scenario with kids. You always see, sure. you always see everybody, you know, somebody throwing a temper tantrum in the, in the grocery store, a kid, not an adult. And you think, ah, oh, my kid will never be that one, but it will be, your kid. <laughs> it, will, it will always be your kid. And I think, I think the hardest part, the why that's always a battleground, is none of the discipline techniques really work. I think big picture, maybe what matters is that you tried and that you failed and the kids saw that you were trying. But if there were one discipline technique that actually worked, I, I think that we would have all universally adopted it by now. And the fact that all parents fight about what this is supposed to be and everybody shames everybody else about how they're parenting. <laughs> I, think, I think that none of us have it figured out, which is kind of the closing chapter to every single one of my parenting books. That, hey, nobody knows what's going on. Just act like you're trying and people will maybe That's, fall for it. No, that, there's some truth to that, though. The other thing, uh, one other point you said, you, you said lots of interesting things today, which is really rare for you. I'm, wow. I'm starting to think that maybe Are you, okay? you. No, I clearly my standards just keep slipping. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned the, with money when it comes to fighting. I, I thought that the issue would be, you know, spending, but you said it's more offensive if they're saving. If somebody has a secret savings account, it's not the spending of the hidden money, it's the having of the secret money. And I would have never thought that, uh, that just having the money would be a problem, but I guess that's, uh, they're afraid that that's going to be part of the escape plan or maybe a prelude for the even bigger purchase that they really, really don't want them to make. I mean, in, in 2000, yeah, two good ones, yeah. In 2019, I mean, even how successful can you even be at hiding money? I and mean, with electronic bank accounts and all of that, I mean, the IRS knows where your money is. And if they know, your wife can't be far behind. So good luck to anybody trying to hide that. But unless you got <laughs> Well, hang on, James. I, I don't mean to cut you off. Go but ahead. I don't have any idea where our money goes. Like, my wife takes care of all of it. And I, I literally, I never look at it. Uh, you you have to marry someone you trust implicitly, and I trust her implicitly, and I I I don't have if she could squirrel money away all the time I'd have no idea. I would love to have a conversation with Mrs. Steve about where your money is really going. Like for all we know, you could have retired years ago, and she's just sending you out there. She wants you out of the house. You gotta you gotta take more gigs, Steve. You gotta do it. We gotta make you gotta pay the rent and. Away you go. Well, she's out there. She probably has a whole second family and a second house and all of that. <laughs> A husband who's nowhere near as cool as me, by the way. I, yeah, okay. You can, you can keep believing that. <laughs> it 
all these delusions we tell ourselves to keep it, to keep everything going. I'm gonna have to retitle this podcast though, because nothing you really said was so much a chore. I guess they're just basically the, the three the three biggest battlegrounds of relationships. Maybe that's oh, a better right. way to uh, to define the relationship. And then the uh, on the sex one, I don't know how to get into that without causing trouble on that as well. But I suppose that is something people fight about. One topic I thought about doing once upon a time was like I should ask you the question: How much sex is normal in a relationship? Because that's the one topic that no psychiatrist and no online article will ever give you a straight answer for. It's always something along the lines of, well, whatever works for you or whatever you and your partner agrees on. But somewhere out there, there's got to be an actual real number and nobody will ever put their finger on it. I'm not going to make you do it now just because we've only got a couple minutes left in this podcast. And I feel like that's an entire another episode. But just be no, warned, there, there Steve. There is an answer. There is the answer. All right. What's yeah, the answer? There was Now, uh, this, is, this may be ground or anchored in time frame, but there was a huge sexual survey study done in the 50s and uh, the the summation was called the Kinsey Report, which was also the name of a blues band yeah. later. But the Kinsey Report asked all of those questions of like, uh, it may have been, it, it was hundreds of thousands of people, I think, and they came up with numbers. Now this was, this was back in the 50s and early 60s and I don't, it may have been a little later than that, they extended it too. But I don't know if that is relevant for 2019. I can't imagine the human animal has changed a whole lot yeah, when it comes to metronome. That was before smartphones got in the way. So I've got to think it was probably higher <laughs> back then than it is now. <laughs> well, there have been two famous sexual reports, sex reports. One is by Masters and Johnson and they looked more at the mechanics of sex and orgasm and those kind of things. And when it came to sexual behaviors, the Kinsey Report is the one to look at if you're curious about aggregate data and averages. But you still didn't give me a number, Steve. Oh, I don't, sorry, I don't know the number <laughs> oh, okay. off the top of my head, but I do know it's available and it is probably just Googleable. And I think the most reputable source uh, would be the Kinsey Report. I think on those two though, and everything is in dispute. I mean, we talked before about our, our wine debate and red meat, whether or not it's good for you. Uh, I've heard before sometime that, that the numbers vary widely based, and they don't line up based on like what's, what's self-reported and what's externally reported. Basically, if you're reporting it and you're a guy, you're probably reporting a lot a lot more than what you're really having and uh or, or it could be the opposite it just uh basically we're all liars there is no truth all of those fun things but what is true is there are three definite battlegrounds these are the three areas that you're going to get in fights over so if you're entering into a relationship or merely trying to save the one you're already in get your house in order on those three issues and you'll have that much less to fight about uh, any closing thoughts steve no, but when I, I, I'm curious, when you were asking about chores, do you mean like, do they fight over loading the dishwasher, that kind of thing? I was open to anything, honestly. I was just trying to fill 10 minutes, man. But yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking, <laughs> is there is there a chore more than any others? Is, is vacuuming a deal breaker in marriage or, you know, the dishwasher or laundry? What What is it? But uh, if, if that's not what really people fight about, if those are just kind of the, uh, the side issues that lead to bigger things, then let's deal with the bigger things because that's what we do here. We crack the hard cases, not really, but we do what we can in 10 minutes. Well, if you have an issue you'd like to solve in 10 minutes or less, send that in to jamesbreakwell at explodingunicorn.com. That's exploding unicorn with the E. It doesn't have to be an actual marriage issue. It can be a platonic relationship, parent-child, parent-pet, what have you. We'll take virtually anything because our standards are exactly as low as you would expect. This has been another episode of 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, and that's 10 minutes of your life you'll never get back. <laughs>